all of this stuff can be intimidating. If you are considering going live, if you're considering uploading video content, but for whatever reason, you're like, you know what? I just can't get myself to do it. Do it, like start now and actually just give it a shot because there's so much opportunity right now. It's, it's I like to refer to it as like the gold rush, so to speak. Did you know YouTube Live has been a thing for about 10 years now? As YouTube first introduced a version of its live streaming platform back in 2009, as it live streamed concerts by U2 and question and answer sessions with Barack Obama. And it just kept growing from there. Many of us probably remember in October 2012, when along with 8 million other people, we watched Felix Baumgartner jump from the edge of space as a live stream on YouTube. But it wasn't until May 2013 when live streams were introduced to standard YouTube users, or at least verified users with at least 1,000 subscribers. And then slowly they dropped away the requirement to have so many subscribers as YouTube Live opened up to so many more people. But today in 2019, YouTube Live is a seriously valuable opportunity for businesses to consider as part of their video marketing strategy. And in this episode of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, I'm bringing to you Nick Nimmin, who is a YouTube Live expert and a regular YouTube Live streamer. So stay tuned. This is episode 104 of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. This is the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, helping you engage your ideal audience to action through online video. I'll be bringing you the absolute best in the world of video marketing, content creation, storytelling, and marketing strategy, as together we grow to dominate online video and build profitable businesses. I'm your host, Ben Amos. Now let's get on with the show. G'day and welcome back to the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. I'm Ben Amos from Engage Video Marketing and I'm here to help you engage your ideal audience to action through online video. So thanks for joining me for episode 104 of the podcast. And I'm excited for this episode because the guest I'm bringing on today is someone who I've been meaning to get on the show for quite some time. And this is a really valuable conversation for anyone who's considering using any sort of live streaming, but particularly YouTube Live for their business or for their clients' businesses. Even if you're not currently considering YouTube Live, then I want you to listen to this episode as well because you're going to get an insight into how the platform works that I believe will help you position whether or not this platform is right for you and your business or not. So as I mentioned, my guest today is Nick Nimmin. Now, Nick helps content creators grow their brands and businesses using YouTube. On his personal channel, where he shares the tools, resources, and information video creators need to grow their presence online, Nick has grown his own YouTube subscriber base by over 420,000 subscribers. He's added tens of thousands of targeted readers to his email list and turned his website tubertools.com into a growing resource for the video making community. So as I mentioned, in this episode, we're going to explore the opportunity that's available to businesses right now on YouTube Live. We're going to really dive deep into understanding the difference between YouTube Live as a platform and other popular live streaming platforms such as Facebook Live and even the soon to be introduced or newly introduced LinkedIn Live as well. And we're going to particularly explore how to actually know when to use YouTube Live and when not 
to use YouTube Live as part of your wider online video strategy. So by the end of this episode, I know you're going to be much clearer on where this particular tool in the world of online video fits within you and your client's business and marketing plan. And I can't wait to get into this episode. So without further ado, let's just jump right into episode 104 with Nick Nimmin. Nick Nimmin, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to uh, be here. Yeah, and it's really good to have you here. Um, you've been on on my list of, of guests to get on the Engage Video Marketing Show for a while. And uh, our mutual friend, Justin Brown from Primal Video introduced us. So thanks to Justin, if you're listening to this, um, for the introduction. And I'm really looking forward to diving into our chat today, Nick, because we're going to focus in on the world of, of live video for business and particularly with a focus on YouTube Live. But before we get into that, Nick, for people that haven't heard about you before and haven't been, haven't followed you on YouTube, which I encourage them to do, tell us your story. What led you into the world of video and what you do today? Um, what got me into video initially is, or, or YouTube specifically, is I actually had a design service with my brother um, and we picked up a handful of difficult clients and we live over in Asia. And because of that, when you pick up a bunch of difficult clients and you decide, hey, I don't want to do this anymore, you can't just go get a job to tide you over, right? You have to, <laughs> you have to try to, you know, figure out something on your own. So we both started exploring um, different things that we could get into to transition out of that business. And one of the things that I explored was internet marketing. And when I was exploring internet marketing, one of the things that just kept coming up was the importance of growing an email list. And attached to that was, hey, we're having a lot of success growing an email list on YouTube. So if you're looking into growing an email list, then you should check out YouTube. So I fought that idea for quite some time because I didn't want to be on video. I didn't want to be that person. And then I caved and I was like, you know what, let's just give it a shot. And I gave it a shot. And I realized right out of the gate that uh, YouTube was extremely effective for driving email um, signups. And that was kind of the first step. Now, in terms of the entire process, once I started getting the ball rolling with that, just generating emails, at that point in time, I didn't really know what I was doing. But I actually took a little side, um, a little side journey, so to speak, to where I worked on another channel for a while with another content creator. And that channel actually taught me so much about YouTube and, and what makes YouTube work and what makes people respond to content creators. And in addition to that, it also started giving me the right, you know, resources and the right connections in order to start being able to understand how YouTube works and looking into the right information in terms of, you know, just studying and understanding uh, YouTube in terms of the algorithm, in terms of making those connections with people that are watching your content and things like that. And I burned out on that channel because I was trying to make too much content for the type of channel that it was because it was an educational channel. And I threw in the towel on that one, but my spark was already lit for YouTube and I already saw the potential and the power, so to speak, of YouTube. And because of that, I came back to my originating channel where at the time I was just sharing information on like how to come up with video ideas and how to stay productive when you're working in a coffee shop and people are trying to talk to you and you know, things like that. And, um, and then from there, I made one video on YouTube SEO and people kept asking me, hey, this is a great video, make another one of these. And I just kept doing that and basically followed the audience in terms of what it is that they were asking of me. And then years later, now I'm known as a YouTube guy. 
there you go. So the rest is history, the, as they say. Yeah, the rest <laughs> is history. Absolutely. And, and that's kind of that's the that's the short, long version, because I know that was a little long winded. <laughs> so when, when did you get your start? Wrap some time frames around this. So what what year was that when you were first moving into YouTube? Sure. My very first video on YouTube was in September of 2014. And that very first video was about how to overcome camera shyness, because like I mentioned, I didn't want to do YouTube. It was something to where, you know, I looked at it and I was like, man, I, I don't want to, you know, have people looking at me on camera and making all these judgments. What if, you know, what if somebody I know finds out that I'm making YouTube videos and that sort of thing. Um, and because I was having those personal struggles with actually getting on YouTube for those reasons, my first video was actually how to overcome those. Um, so that I was thinking, well, if I can get through this and get myself on camera, and these were the thoughts that I was having then let me make a video about it so that I can help other people that are having that same um, hurdle so I can help them get over that so they can start making videos as well if it's something that they wanted to do. And when you were starting out, Nick, what, what would you say was your goal? You mentioned uh, building an email list, using video, using YouTube to, to build an email list uh, over and above that. What was, what was the business goals? What was the monetization plan, I guess? In at those that early point stages? in time, all it was at that point in time, all it was, was I was just trying to get people into an email because I was at, again, like I was just starting out in the world of internet marketing. So at that point in time, I was just trying to get people into an email list so that I could get that relationship built up over email so that I could market affiliate products and things like that. It wasn't until I left my current channel and then I came back to it that I came back with like a solid concrete plan. I actually built a website that I could send people to and things like that because I had a better understanding of things by that point. Um, but it wasn't until I actually came back to my current channel that I was actually able to turn it into um, a, a very valuable marketing resource for myself. And for your own journey, as far as the types of content, uh, as you've moved through those years of using YouTube, uh, what's that looked like to you? What's your content strategy? Because I know now you, you do use YouTube Live considerably as well, which we'll get into that. But what sort of content? Was it all how-to educational content or did you mix it up? What was your strategy? Yeah, for the most part, everything was how to basically my my channel once I came back to it with a mission, um, basically, like what I did is I built a website where I was selling um, video graphics and services to actually create video graphics for people. And my thought process at that time was, okay, well, if I'm selling this, then I need to get in front of as many video creators as possible. So as I started making more and more YouTube content, then what that did is that allowed me to focus on, on just reaching content creators by any means. So what I did for that was I said, okay, I'm gonna make how-to content in terms of helping people solve the problems that I'm going through as I'm going through this process. Um, I'm gonna help them learn how to use the tools that they need in order to do all this stuff. And in the process of that, because this whole thing is a grind in terms of you know online video and live video, just having to keep up with it all the time. So in addition to the other things, I, I also worked into it um, that I wanted to also try to help encourage people and keep people motivated through the process as well so that people don't give up. Because as you know, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, a few videos away in terms of the difference between the life that you're living right now and the life that you could be living based on, you know, the results that the videos can bring you. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. So I know we could take this conversation in so many different places and we're over the last handful of episodes of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, we've brought on a lot of YouTube specific expertise. Um, so, and we've, we've, 
dove deep into YouTube over the last number of episodes. So really what I wanted to to steer this conversation towards with you now, Nick, is around, around live video. And I know for many people, whether they're in business or whether they're in marketing or whether they're video creators out there, they probably consider live video. And the first thing that comes to mind is probably Facebook Live. Maybe sure. this is my own assumption, but I think for most people, they're considering Facebook Live as the platform for businesses to use for live. So can you give us a bit of an understanding of where YouTube Live fits into this, this gamut of live streaming platforms? Absolutely. So when it comes to Facebook Live, um, I think that the reason that that's kind of the, the default thought in terms of if you're going to go live for business, you need to be on Facebook is because at one point in time, that was that was primarily true. People thought of Facebook as like the business platform and they thought of YouTube as the platform where teenagers are uploading video content and doing, you know, gaming type of content. They didn't think of it really from a business perspective. Some, you know, savvy marketers did, but for the most part, general business folks, they weren't thinking of YouTube as a, as a real marketing tool in terms of live. And LinkedIn also is now doing live video, which is also turning into a really big asset for them and for marketers as well. Um, but in terms of Facebook, what's happening right now is you're actually seeing a mass exodus of sorts from people leaving Facebook and not doing as much live there because of how Facebook is limiting people's ability to actually find the content. Um, and on YouTube, the really humongous win is that if you were to upload a video or a live stream today and you optimize that for search and you kind of structured your live stream that it was kind of like a video so that you had a similar type of feel to it um, in terms of the expectation that somebody would have when they click on it. What can happen is you can actually rank that video inside of YouTube search to where it can drive you traffic for years to come. And you can also, if somebody, if something ranks inside of YouTube, you can also rank it inside of the other search engines as well. So not only are you able to pull traffic from YouTube, but you're also able to pull traffic from Google and Yahoo and Bing and, and all the other search platforms as well. So video and live video on YouTube is a, is a massive advantage in comparison because your content that you create today is available for a long time to come. It's easy to find and easy for people to run into. And if you're using it for your business or for any marketing purpose, what you want is to be able to put that effort out there now and then basically reap the rewards of that effort for a long time to come. And YouTube is the thing that helps you do that. Yeah. And on Facebook Live, what you mentioned there around when it was first launched on the platform, Facebook drove a lot of, um, put a lot of uh, weight behind it in the algorithm. So it was widely reported. You go live and, you know, everyone's going to see your content and it's going to be hugely successful. And obviously that, as you mentioned, there has been whittled down to basically that it, that's just not the way it works on Facebook anymore. Is there, is there similar sorts of benefits on YouTube? So for the opportunity that's, uh, that's now available for businesses to use YouTube live, are we seeing the same sort of thing or is it not really the same sort of thing? What, what's the, what's the difference there as far as exposure and, and reach? Well, on, on YouTube, it, it is a, a different, um, beast I'll call it because on Facebook, the advantage that you had there was when you go live, if somebody's following your page or, you know, one of your friends, you know, from your normal, um, Facebook account, you know, they'll actually see your little live window pop up or they'll get that notification that you're live. On YouTube, it's a similar thing, but the 
the people have to actually be subscribed to your channel in order to get that that notification and they have to be signed up for the notifications and they have to have the notifications enabled on their device in order to actually get that so um the initial discovery part is a bit of a challenge on youtube because it's not as easy as hey we're just going to go live and then youtube is going to promote it all over the place you know you have to as a business as a marketer you have to actually make efforts to actually get that content in front of people because Yes, YouTube will get it in front of people for you, but if you are just starting to get onto YouTube and you are just starting to look at that as something that you want to explore in terms of using it as a marketing asset for yourself, then in that case, you have to think, okay, well, when I first start going live or when I first start uploading videos, how am I going to get people to those videos? How am I going to, how am I going to spread awareness that that's actually going on? You can do that by going onto Facebook and letting people know that you're going to be live there. You can do it by going onto LinkedIn, letting people know that you're going to be going live there. Um, or, um, you can basically seed video content to build a foundation for your channel. And then after you build that foundation of your channel to where you have a little bit of a following, then that's where you can start going live to really start having those deeper connections and even drive direct sales from your live streams. Okay, cool. So what I'm hearing you saying, just to summarize, is is to really capitalize on using YouTube Live uh, to get your message out as a business, you either need to be using your wider networks, your email list, your other, other social followings to drive people to your YouTube channel at the specified time that you're going live. So it's up to you to find the audience, not up to the algorithm. Or you need to build your channel to a point where you've got enough critical mass of uh, subscribers to a YouTube channel who will be notified when you go live. Is, is, is that right? That's absolutely correct. And, and with that, you know, keep in mind, again, you know, in terms of it being discoverable later, you're still going to have all of that. But if you want actual live viewers to join you while you're live, that's where having a little bit of momentum going on YouTube first is going to be um, advantageous for you. And that's also where tapping into the other platforms to actually bring people into your live um, or sending out emails or, you know, any other methods that you would normally use to let people know that you're going to be live so that you can get that actual live viewership while you're live. Okay, well, let's talk about that because what's the benefit apart from not going live to, to nobody and there's like nobody chatting in the comments and you feel like you're talking to nobody, which isn't fun anyway. But you, right. know, you did you did mention before that, you know, the benefits to using YouTube Live is it's kind of like rapid content creation. You, you go live. If you do it with a structure of a more produced video, then you end with a video that can be optimized and have the long shelf life on YouTube. So, you know, what is the benefit of... Or, you know, how does the amount of interaction during a live broadcast actually benefit the success of that video overall when the long game's taken into account? Well, the amount of interaction that you're getting on the live stream, if, if there's tons of interaction, then that's going to, just like with the video content, you know, if there's a high response from that live stream, then YouTube is going to try to show it to other people that consume live streams and try to bring them in because you're proving right there in real time that there's, that there's a high response to whatever it is that you're doing on the live stream. However, if you can't get that high response out of the gate, let's say that you have 20 viewers then your reach is going to be extremely limited on YouTube because you're not going to be able to generate that high response. However, if you do go live for the sake of making quick, easy to make content, then in that particular case, like you were talking about, Ben, um, in that particular case, if you say, okay, well, I'm actually going to live stream this so that I can, I don't have to worry about uploading. I don't have to worry about rendering or editing a video. Then in that particular case, it's very important to be mindful of 
what it is that you're doing in the live stream, how you're actually structuring your live stream. If you're going to be doing multiple cameras or you're going to be bringing graphics on the screen using um, like OBS or Streamlabs OBS or Wirecast or vMix or anything like that, you know, to actually put together an experience, so to speak, for viewers so that when they're watching that live stream replay, it doesn't feel like a live stream replay. Because if it feels like a live stream replay, then what's going to happen is you're going to create a little bit of a disconnect because when, and, and you can, you know, anybody that's listening to this, they can think of their own experience as well. When you're on YouTube and you're clicking around on things, you have a bit of an expectation. Like when you click on a video, you expect it to be a video, right? When you click on a thumbnail, I expect this to be a video. I expect it to be of a certain quality. I expect the audio to be of a certain quality. I expect it to have some type of pacing to it. And if you can't match that with your live stream, then your live stream isn't going to live long um, in terms of discovery on YouTube. And if you're going to be putting in that effort to go live there and to make the content, then it's really important to make sure that you do plan things out so that you can increase your chances of people responding to it like it's a video which will help your video live longer on YouTube and on the other uh, search engines as well, as long as you optimize that for search. Yeah, and that to me seems like a key difference between YouTube Live and and a platform like Facebook Live and definitely Instagram Live, right? Because I think it's still a common strategy and a successful strategy to to go live without bells and whistles on on Facebook, and then it, the replay value of that, you know, particularly over the twenty four forty eight hour period after going live, is still pretty valuable. However, YouTube, because of the expectation of a viewer when they're going to YouTube for content. Um, what I'm hearing from you there is that if there's not some level of production value to to the live stream, then the longevity of that video is just gonna it's gonna tank. Is that right? Absolutely, absolutely. And and you know part of the problem is you know when people go live, um, they will start a live stream and then they'll sit there. And they'll wait for people to join the live stream and they'll be like, okay, well, we're going to get started once, you know, a handful of people come in or, or whatever. And they sit there and they wait for people to come in instead of just starting it, going for it and actually making it an actual piece of content. They, they think of it in terms of I'm going to go live and I'm going to interact with anybody that comes in instead of thinking of it like I'm going to make a video, but I'm just going to do it live in one take. Right. And if, 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 if you're making, uh, if you're making, if you're doing live streams on YouTube for the sake of making it a video, so to speak, that people are going to be able to find later, then you have to approach it in that way to where as soon as it comes on, as soon as somebody clicks on that thumbnail, and as soon as they're watching your replay, they have to see something, something has to be going on, you have to be engaging with them just like you just like it was a video, you have to basically grab their attention, and you have to keep them watching with the information that you're sharing in your live stream. Yeah, cool. Um, one of the benefits to to using YouTube Live that we've talked about on the podcast before is is increasing watch time. So watch time being one of the key uh, drivers within the YouTube algorithm towards channel success, which we've talked about plenty of times before, is. And so when you're going live, I see a lot of uh, a lot of YouTubers who are utilizing live, they tend to go for, they create these long live streams, like hours yeah, we do in that. some cases. Yeah, we do that. Yeah. We, we, know, we stream yeah. for like six hours at a time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy. And, you know, obviously the, if you get someone watching for that long, then the watch time is going to be through the roof, right? So is that the way to approach it? Are longer, is longer better when it comes to, to live? It, and again, this comes down to like, it comes down to what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And it also comes down to how many people you have watching. So if you have, 
if you have 10 people watching, streaming for six hours isn't going to do you any good. Um, and the reason for that is because, again, you got to think of the intent of the users when they're on YouTube. So if you have a, we'll just say a, a one hour long or two hour long live stream, when somebody's looking for things to watch and things are being suggested to people on YouTube, those timestamps that show how long it is, those are right there in your face. So what happens is when they click on it, if they even click on it, if they see that timestamp, um, which you know can be a, a turnoff, so to speak, but basically like if they do click on that and then they go into it and they see this huge timeline, that's a big commitment for people who have never seen your content before, right? So YouTube actually suggesting that out, if you go live for a long period of time, it's, it's not gonna suggest it out for a long period of time because when people start going into that video, they're not gonna stay in that video, which is going to tell YouTube, it's gonna send negative signals in YouTube that's going to tell YouTube that people are not responding to this content. And because of that, it's going to quickly suppress the video. So in your case, with your ultra long lives, obviously you are getting a lot of, because of your channel authority and, and followers on your channel, you're getting a lot of engagement live and people are hanging around with you for hours, you know, and engaging, which is, I would understand is the benefit of doing that for you guys. But if you compare that live engagement with those videos that you guys are doing compared to the, uh, the replay engagement, um, you know, do people actually rewatch or replay, you know, watch the replay of a two hour long live stream? They do, um, oddly, but it's not in mass, right? Yeah. So, so, and, and again, this is where live and working live into your strategy really, um, like this, this is where it all gets really important is you have to determine like, why is it that you're going live in the first place? So like, you know, some of the reasons are, you know, I'm going live to make quick, easy content, or I'm going live to engage with my community, right? Those are, those are two big ones. So in my case, my live streams are not made for a replay. We, we present them in a way to where they're also good on the replay, but they're not, we're not doing it for the sake of that video, like living on forever inside of YouTube. I do it for the sake of being able to interact with my community directly and being able to answer their questions in real time. And in addition to that, I've got like sponsorships with the live stream and things like that, which also bring uh, additional revenue also. But in terms of the replay on our live streams, people will actually listen to a six hour long live stream over the course of the week while they're working. So they'll just break it down into little chunks over the course of the week and they'll kind of consume it like a podcast of sorts. So People absolutely do that. However, it's not something that happens in mass. And that's why it's important to, to really define why it is that you're going live. Because if you're creating content for the sake, or if you're going live for the sake of creating an easy piece of content, then in that case, you still, just like the video content, you want to keep it around, you know, like 10 minutes or so. Um, if you're doing it for the sake of interacting with your community, it's a totally different game. And you can go as live for as long as you want to, as long as you have viewers in there that you're, that you're interacting with. So you have to define what it, is that, what is it that I'm trying to do with my live streams? Why is it that I'm going live? And then you have to basically make your live content that fits into whatever goal it is that you're trying to achieve. Nice. Yeah, that's good. So let's bring it back to, you know, the, the business case for using, uh, using live video on YouTube in particular. And obviously in the case of building a YouTube channel, and that's the core uh, goal of your business, because that's how you're monetizing, that's how you're building your brand. You know, I think that's a pretty clear indication that, you know, of how you can use live. But if you're, if you're building a, a service-based business or a bricks and mortar business or a you know, e-commerce business, uh, you know, how would you be approaching 
planning for YouTube Live uh, for those kinds of uh, you know traditional offline businesses? If if it was me and I had let's say um, a plumbing company, like for example, I have I have a, a friend online. Um, his name is Roger Wakefield. Um, he's known online as the expert plumber, and he started live streaming. Uh, see about or he started actually making content about a year ago. And in his situation, what he does is he actually uses his YouTube presence to um, drive sales basically for what it is that he does and also to reach other plumbers so that he can encourage them to go on social media and all that. But he actually does a lot of live on LinkedIn and he's just killing it on LinkedIn. But um, in terms of him, just using his, him as an example, what he does is, is when he either uploads his video content or he does a live stream, all he's doing in his particular case is he's sharing information for the sake of spreading awareness, just simply letting people know that he's there. And by doing that, he's able to basically find people in his local area because he optimizes for his local area. And when people are looking for plumbers, he pops up on Google, he pops up on YouTube, he pops up all over the place as a plumber and not only a plumber, but his branding is on point too, because he comes up as the expert plumber as well. And basically has an entire channel or an entire presence online of teaching people, you know, all of the different aspects of plumbing. So like, let's say in your case, let's say you had a problem with your toilet as an example, and you were looking for ways to fix it. There's a really good chance you're going to run, run into him through either his live streaming content or through his video content on YouTube. So if you have a brick and mortar looking at YouTube and saying, okay, how can I use this to my you know, biggest advantage? Well, the very first thing that I recommend, like we talked about earlier, is to seed content um, that's actual video content to build that foundation. And basically what's going to happen there is at that foundational level, you are going to create evergreen content. And basically, if you're not familiar with that term, what that means is content that is going to be just as relevant today as it is, you know, a year, five years from now. And you want to create a base of evergreen content. And that evergreen content, video content is going to be people actually coming into your channel. So you can create that content as videos, or you can create short form live content and just leave it up there as a video. But basically, the purpose of that is to create a consistent amount of traffic coming into your channel that's going to generate followers over time. So through the video content that they're consuming, they're going to automatically start to know you, feel like they know you, they're going to you know, get to know the nuances of your personality and get to know, like, and trust you, which is important, as we all know, um, with all of this stuff. And then when you go live, you're going to increase that relationship that you have with them because then not only is it a one-sided or it's no longer a one-sided relationship like it would be with the video content that when you start going live once you have that following then you it turns back into a two-way conversation just like we're having right now and that allows you to create a deeper connection and deeper levels of trust with the people that are consuming your live content as well yeah cool i love that and is there a magic formula for how much seeded content and what, at what level your channel should get to or a number of subscribers where you feel that you're going to have success in going live and actually getting engagement? Is there, have you from your experience found that there's a sweet spot, a number that you got to tip above or something like I that? I haven't found a sweet spot um, because everybody responds to things differently. So basically what's going to happen is let's say that you have that foundation of video content. You're going to have the people that, that only watch video content because there's plenty of people out there that love watching live streams. There's plenty of people out there that don't find any value at all in live streams. They just don't like watching them because they think they're boring or whatever. So what's going to happen is you're going to have that, that initial foundation that's going to just bring people in in general. And then once you start going live, then what you're going to do there is you're going to create a filter of sorts of people 
that are, you know, hey, these particular people that watch my content, they dig lives, but the other people that watch my content, they don't care about lives, they just want to watch the videos. So because of that, there isn't like a real formula in terms of this many videos or this many followers, because it all comes down to how it's getting filtered through, you know, the video content into your live streams. Yeah, and I'd imagine in the early days, even if you have built your channel to a certain level where you're you're going to experiment with live, you still want to be using those other strategies we talked about before to drive people directly to it, not just relying yes. on on YouTube to you know push people to the content. And that's right? another bonus too. So, like on YouTube, there's there's session time and there's watch time. Um, watch time is basically how long people spend watching your content, be it video content or your live content. Um, session time is how much time people spend on YouTube as a whole. So one thing that can be really advantageous if you do have a brick and mortar, if you're a marketer or anything like that, and you have the ability to actually send people into YouTube is what happens in that situation is you're actually creating session starts. And what that means is you're actually the first point of contact inside of YouTube. You're actually bringing people into YouTube and they're starting at your content. And then from that point on, any additional videos that they watch on your channel or others, you're getting, for lack of a better word, I'll say credit um, for the amount of time that they're spending on the platform. So the more traffic that you can actually drive into YouTube, um, the more advantageous that is for you as well in terms of growing your presence on YouTube. Because if you're bringing people in, and then you're able to keep them watching your videos on YouTube, and then they get, end up getting lost in other videos, then YouTube is going to see your channel as an asset, and then they're gonna start promoting your channel more because you're, you have that ability to, to bring people into the platform. Awesome, yeah, another cool benefit. I wanna get a little bit tactical with you now, without going too deep into, into tools and, and you know equipment and things like that, but I do wanna talk about, if you're thinking about using YouTube Live effectively for the first time, you know. How do, how do we do that? Do we just open up the Chrome browser, go to YouTube and away we go? Or is there certain tools that you recommend, certain ways that you can actually jazz up your live stream a bit? Can you give us a bit of a rundown on the lay of the land when it comes to the, the tech set? tech setup. Sure, absolutely. So um, if you have a channel that has a thousand subscribers or more, then you can live stream directly from your phone. If you're just getting started, and you don't have that yet, then you're forced into desktop um, or to do it from a computer unless you use a third party app. So um, when it comes to the computer, which is typically the, the default choice for most people, especially business owners. So when it comes to the computer, you can just go to YouTube and you can click on the little drop down and you can go live directly from YouTube. Um, or you can level things up a bit because that doesn't give you any control, right? That doesn't give you control on like, you know, your lighting and how things look and how much contrast you have in your image and things like that. It'll use like the default webcam that you have on whatever computer that you're, that you're running from. So that's the very, that's the very first step right? Just going to YouTube and just clicking it from the drop down and going live directly onto YouTube. Super easy to do. And it gets the job done, which is the most important thing, right? To where if you're like, Hey, before I invest into this, I want to just maybe hone my skills on going live and just make sure that I can hold a show together. The, the great place to start with that would be to just go directly and directly to YouTube and do it from your browser. Now, if you want to level it up from there, then of course you can use software like OBS. Um, there's Streamlabs OBS, there's vMix, there's Wirecast. Um, and all of those, basically what they are is they're encoders. And an encoder basically is a piece of software that basically has your microphone and your camera, 
they talk to that software or they basically push the signal into the software and then the software actually sends that signal up to YouTube. So basically the, the encoding software is like the bridge, so to speak, between your computer and, and what's happening on your computer and YouTube. So just getting started, the browser thing's great, but as soon as you can, you wanna upgrade because like we were talking about earlier, once you commit and you're like, hey, this is something that I'm gonna start doing on a regular basis, then the closer that you can get it to a video experience, the better off that you're going to be. And the way that you do that is of course by, you know, having graphics come up on your screen when you're talking about stuff, um, being able to use multiple cameras in some situations, even upgrading the actual camera um, itself. Like for example, the camera that I'm using right here um, while we're having this conversation, this is like a thousand dollar camera that I just use as a webcam. And the reason for that is because it's important to me to make sure that when I'm going live, that the viewer is experiencing that because the experience that they are getting is a direct representation of me and how I do things. So because of that, I have to make sure that my quality is good. And, and because of that, I recommend that anybody listening or watching to this does the same thing. So start with the browser, make sure that it's something that you want to do. And then once you commit, then you can go down the rabbit hole, so to speak, of getting, you know, all the equipment and things like that. But the very first thing that I recommend is once you do pick an encoder, there's tons of, of videos on YouTube. I've got videos on my channel um, on you know different encoders and stuff that you can use. They're relatively easy to set up. Um, but the very first thing that you should do if you are going to invest is to invest in your audio quality. Um, and the reason for that is because audio is half of the video experience, so to speak. And people tend to be a little bit more tolerant if the video quality isn't as good. But if the audio quality isn't good, then people are gonna tune out pretty much immediately. So because of that, first invest in your audio and then in, invest in the actual image quality that you're putting out there. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. We won't go too much deeper down that, that tech path, but that's a really good, um, really good important idea to share is that don't let the tech stuff stop you from going live. Yeah. But when you are committing to it, then you need to start stepping it up. And I think that's like we mentioned before, even more critical on YouTube live than on other live platforms because of the expectation of the viewer that we talked about before. Absolutely. And, and even with that, you know, like um, when I first started live streaming, like my very first live stream was, I think I might've had a thousand subscribers, maybe or 2000 subscribers. I had two people come through the whole live stream. I did a thumbnail tutorial. And um, with that, I used an encoder. And then after that, I didn't live stream for probably a year and then when YouTube made it possible to live stream on a mobile device, I had 12,000 subscribers at that point. So I, so I qualified. And then I started streaming on my mobile device. And at that point, I had, as soon as I did it, I had a bunch of people come into the stream. And I was like, wow, this is great. And, and it really kind of, you know, lit my fire for live streaming as well because of that engagement. Like it was awesome, you know, as the creator being able to do that also. Um, but from that point, I live streamed from my phone, right, standing right over here. I, you know, set up a tripod and all that stuff. And I live streamed straight from my phone for probably, um, I don't know, maybe three or four months before I went and, you know, tried to upgrade the cameras and all that stuff to make everything start looking better. And then eventually we ended up building like a, an entire studio. So I have a, an entire live streaming studio as well for the sake of, you know, just, just continuing to upgrade as we go through the process. And we're actually working on version two right now, but you know, like th the reason that I'm taking you through that process is because the very first stream was on the encoder, but then after that I streamed on my phone for a while and it was fine. Like people were okay with it. And then basically as I went through the, through the process, as the 
investment into the live streaming started paying off better on my end. I was able to reinvest some of that money into better gear. And then it kind of snowballed from there into, you know, investing into a studio and all that stuff. So start with what you have and then basically build as you get more and more serious and more and more dedicated and, and, and better results from it. Nice. Good advice. A couple of quick questions and then we'll wrap up because, um, and it is getting a little bit tactical, but when it comes to optimization of your live stream and we've talked about YouTube optimization before as well in various podcasts. If you flick back through the, uh, through the episodes here, if, if you haven't heard them, people can go and have a listen, but is there things that you can do to optimize live and obviously you can optimize or re-optimize after when it's a, when it's a, a video in your library as well. But what about optimization of live? You want to look at live streams just like you look at your video content. So you want to make sure that you are targeting um, a, a specific phrase, you know, specific keyword phrase, and then you want to optimize the entire video around that. Like the live streams have the same exact features in terms of title description tags that, um, that the videos have. You can even make custom thumbnails for them and everything. So they're literally you can optimize them 100% just like you would a piece of video content. So you need to take that approach, especially if you're just getting started. So like once you're, once you're established and you have notifications that go out when you're live and people start pouring into your stream as soon as you go live and that sort of thing, then, you know, you can be a little bit more relaxed. It's still important, but you can be a little bit more relaxed. But when you're initially trying to get that ball rolling, the really cool thing about live streams is if you do optimize it correctly in terms of making sure that, you know, you have at a very basic level, making sure that you have the phrase that you're targeting in your title, your description and your tags, um, and you optimize all of your metadata for, you know, to support whatever it is you're trying to rank for. Um, the really cool thing about YouTube Live is while you're live, that actually carries a ton of weight and you'll actually get promoted more when people are actually looking for those specific terms while you're live. Um, which is, which is a huge win in terms of, um, bringing new people into the live stream that you're putting on. So I imagine you want to do your keyword research and choose, choose phrases that have a high search volume, high daily search volume. So that the, the likelihood of people searching for that while you are live is going to be increased, right? Absolutely. And, and with that also, another thing to think about, like if you're from like a brick and mortar perspective is let's say that you have a, um, let's say that you have like a real estate company and with your real estate company, let's say there is a local event taking place and it's a pretty big event and people are just scouring the internet for information on that event. Then you can do live streams basically while you're at the event and you optimize everything around that particular event. So while people are actually looking for information on the event, you're actually there um, or you're, you know, in your office or whatever, talking about the event and giving people tips on, you know, things they need to keep in mind when they're going to the event and that sort of thing. But you can like laser target your local search as well in that situation based around things that, you know, people would be looking for um, at that particular time as well. Love that. That's a good little, good little tip for people to consider. Um, so when it comes to doing a YouTube live, particularly in the earlier stages of, of your channel, um, and if it is more of a, a, a live that's designed to engage with the community. So it might be a QA and a or something like that. You, you have a critical mass of people that are on the Q&A. So maybe it was a great Q&A. Um, is there, where would you make the decision to, to leave that video there for the long term versus delete it because it doesn't have value in your channel over the long term? Or does it always have value to leave it there? Would you always leave a live stream or would you ever delete them after the fact? Um, 
personally, I like to leave them. And the reason for that is because, and, and of course, you know, this all comes down to what it is that you're trying to do. So like in my case, my whole thing is I'm trying to help, um, you know, business owners and content creators be able to grow their presence on YouTube. And because of that, I have to share a lot of information about, you know, how YouTube works and the best ways to do, you know, all the different stuff. So because of that, I know that there's going to be people that still go through my live streams, even though they're long, even though they might not, you know, click on it from a search result, people that are coming in and watching my video content, they still go in and they'll watch some of those live streams. And because of the information I share in there, there's a ton of value, which is important that they get if they're trying to grow their influence on, on YouTube or on the internet as a whole. So because of that, in my particular situation, I'll leave them up. Whereas if you were going to do something at, let's say like a local event, then in that particular case, that's a totally different situation because once the event's over, the search volume's down, the interest is down and all, you know, it becomes a much less valuable piece of content at that particular point in time. So, you know, again, it comes down to exactly what it is that you're trying to trying to do and what it is that you're using your live streaming for. Cool. Makes sense. It's all about the strategy behind the video, which is what this podcast is all about. Um, just to wrap up here, Nick, I want to take us a little bit into what's next. Um, so, you know, we talked about the rise and potential fall of live on Facebook uh, earlier in the podcast. And, you know, I think, you know, why, why that happened was because Facebook saw that it, there was too much live potentially, and then people would turn off from that. So they perhaps demoted it in the algorithm, but what's next for YouTube live? Is it going to keep growing and more and more live and to a point that people don't like watching YouTube live or where's it going? Yeah, I, I think that absolutely it's going to keep growing. Um, I think that, um, I mean, everybody else is adapting live streaming as well. So live streaming by itself isn't going anywhere. Um, I definitely recommend that people test the different platforms to see what works best for them because, you know, one person might get a better response on LinkedIn than they will on YouTube or another person might get a better response on YouTube than they will LinkedIn and so on. So because of that, it's important to make sure that you test and that you, you know, get a strategy together for the different platforms and you work those strategies out and then see what works out best for you. But in terms of live streaming going anywhere, it's definitely not because it's easy content to make. And in addition to that, people do enjoy live streams and there's an entire, um, you know, additional audience that you can tap into if you do start live streaming because you have your, your people that like your video content and that would watch your video content. And that's basically like one side of your audience. But once you start live streaming, you're going to have people that are coming into your live streams that don't even watch your, your actual video content when you upload it. They only want to come in and interact with you in the live stream. So what that does is that gives you the ability to create a whole additional audience around what it is that you do based on how it is that they like to consume content. So because of that, you know, I, I really don't think that live streaming is going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I agree. And I think what's important to recognize is that the live the way that people should be considering using live is different for the different platforms as well. We've, and we've talked about that today and I'm, I'm yet to really see and understand where LinkedIn live is going to go and how that's going to be different to how people should be using YouTube live. And we understand how that's different to Facebook live, Instagram live and Periscope, Twitter live, whatever you call it. So they're all yeah, different. All of right? it. Yeah. We can just categorize it as live. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I think it is important to recognize that they are differences to those live platforms. The, yeah. And we've talked about that today. So look, really appreciate this. It's been fun. Um, any, um, any final thoughts there, or do you want to shout out where people can find out more about you and follow what you've got going on, Nick? Absolutely. So my final thought would be that all of this stuff can be intimidating. If you are considering 
going live, if you're considering uploading video content, but for whatever reason, you're like, you know what, I just can't get myself to do it. Do it like start now and actually just give it a shot because there's so much opportunity right now. It's, it's I like to refer to it as like the gold rush, so to speak, um, on all of these different social platforms and the power that video and live video um, have in terms of creating relationships while you sleep. It's, it's unparalleled. And because of that, if you are even remotely considering giving it, giving it a shot, or if it's something that you're like, oh, I don't know if this is going to be good for us or not, give it a shot and see what you see what you think about it. And it is scary. It's intimidating. There's a very large learning curve, but it can pay off massively if you just push through and you actually start, you know, trying to learn how to figure it out. And outside of that, um, you can find me at nicknimmon.com or you can find me on YouTube. If you just go and search for Nick Nimmin, N-I-C-K-N-I-M-M-I-N, then um, all roads lead to Rome, so to speak. Awesome. We'll have the links to everything Nick's got going on there in the show notes page as well. And I'll call out how to get to those show notes page very soon as well. But for now, Nick, thanks for thanks for joining me. It's been a, a really valuable conversation. I've learned a lot as well, and I'm, I know that uh, those listeners have as well. So appreciate you coming on and sharing your, your insight with us. Thank you, Ben. I appreciate it. And once again, thanks so much to Nick for joining me on the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. Now, all the links to everything that we mentioned in this episode, you'll be able to find over at engagevideomarketing.com slash episode 104. Head on over to the show notes page there and click on anything that is relevant to you and what you want to check out. So... Can I just say before you go, thank you very much for listening to this show. If this is your first time here, welcome, thanks for listening, and I'd love for you to come back and listen again next week. So to make sure that you don't miss out on each episode as it drops each week, make sure you hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast player right now. And if you have been listening for a while, I'd really appreciate a rating and a review on the iTunes or Apple podcast store. The quickest way to get there is to go to engagevideomarketing.com slash iTunes and you'll be able to follow the links there. And finally, I'd love to hear from you if you've got any value from this show or you've enjoyed this episode. Hit me up at podcast at engagevideomarketing.com or engage underscore Ben on any of the social media platforms. I can't wait to connect with you and to hear more about what value you got from this episode. So that's it for this episode. Again, I'm Ben Amos from Engage Video Marketing, and I'm here to help you engage your ideal audience to action through effective online video strategy. That is my mission, and that is what I'm hoping to be able to help you to do. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. Don't be a stranger, and we'll talk soon. Did you know that your email list can often become the most valuable asset to your business? If you've been building your business for any time at all and haven't yet built an email list, then now's the time to get started. Or maybe you've got an email list but struggle to make the most of it. I want to introduce you to my email list provider and I know you're going to love them too. ConvertKit is the email provider built by creators for creators. The team at ConvertKit have been in our shoes and they know what it takes to grow a successful business. And your email list is the tool that will get you there. The best thing is that ConvertKit is seriously easy to use, powerful, but intuitive. 
Personally, I've tried a handful of email service providers over the years, Aweber, MailChimp, Infusionsoft, but since switching to ConvertKit over 12 months ago, I seriously have not looked back. And as an engaged video marketing podcast listener, I've arranged for you to get your first 30 days of ConvertKit absolutely free. Normally, you only get 14 days if you sign up direct through their website. So to give it a try for 30 days, head on over to engagevideomarketing.com slash ConvertKit. Now, this is my affiliate link. So if you do become a ConvertKit customer, then you'll be supporting this show and investing in your business through clever email marketing at the same time. So it's a win-win. The link again, engagevideomarketing.com slash ConvertKit.